Thanks for listening to the Benefits Breakdown. Stay tuned until the end of our next episode titled New Abilities with Regards to Your Disability Plans to receive that code for SHRM credit. Now, enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Benefits Breakdown. Thank you all for tuning in today. And if you're a new subscriber, be sure you tune in as a subscriber as we head into the future. My name is Vanessa Longnecker. I'm here with this fabulous team. Hey, Vanessa. Adam Compton is excited to join you as well with... Hey, everybody. Jared Bocutz with you as well. We are super excited today for our special guest, Julie Fernandez. Julie is the global HR advisory lead from a, a large national organization called Heron Palmer. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you give us a little bit more background than what I did there? Thanks, everyone. I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, I am uh, the lead for our global HR advisory practice at Heron Palmer. And uh, my background actually comes from First of all, setting up shared services or in my very early days um, for uh, large clients like General Motors. So when shared services was just becoming a thing, um, I helped uh, start and set up a number of shared services for large clients for the retirees, for their benefits, for their HR and payroll. Um, and uh, that led me into kind of the consulting world. And for the last 20 years before joining here, I led the HR practice at ISG, Information Services Group, and I'm super happy to have uh, joined Heron Palmer over a year ago. There's such a demand and such a need for things in addition to benefits, and that's the space that we play in. Julie, we're going to have lots of fun, but before we have lots of fun about the work stuff, something personal about you that you love to do outside of taking over the world during HRS and performance management tooling. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, um, two things come to mind. Uh, the first is I'm, I'm a little bit of a language freak. So um, I speak Spanish and French fluently, along with some English most days, and uh, <laughs> learned a little bit of Arabic. And I actually raised my children. Their father was Mexican. And so we didn't speak English in the household until the kids went to school in fifth grade. So there's like a fun fact. Super and cool. on the other wow. side of nerdy, I'm, I'm a genealogy buff. So um, my husband will tell you that he is the poster child of that guy in the commercials that thinks he's from Scotland and finds out he's from something else <laughs> as I dig into his genealogy. So very cool. That is awesome. What's more complex, HRIS systems or genealogy? Oh my, uh, probably HRIS <laughs> systems. <laughs> I hate to say it. <laughs> well, maybe we dive into that and just maybe we can touch on the first part, maybe a general outlook and overview of the industry, what you're seeing. I know you're integrating with lots of contacts and customers and a lot of different systems. If you had to kind of summarize to our, office, our audience of HR professionals and, and finance professionals, a whole bunch of people that are interested in this, what are you seeing going on in the industry? Yeah. So for a while now, the um, players in the industry have really been um, maturing their HR cloud platforms. So um, so HR technology as an enabler is now hit prime time. And if it wasn't before COVID, it certainly is after COVID, where we learned that folks have to go virtual and technology enablement can save your butt on more than a few occasions. Um, so whether it's your core HR system, you know, and trying to get yourself to the cloud for that um, with its integrated components, um, folks are interested in automation 
and figuring out, you know, how to automate or use um, bots and and chat chatbots and robotics process automation and uh, and experience is really big. And HR technology is a huge enabler of experience. Um, and so those are uh, those are some of the trends in HR technology that have people really excited. It certainly is a dynamic climate. We've seen a lot of change in competition, uh, technology investments, etc. Why why are companies continually chasing them? You spoke to some general trends, but wanting a better HCM seems to be a perpetual process in recent years. What themes are you seeing? Yeah, well, some of it is um, some of it is funding. So uh, there are companies that have to go to the well more than once, and they start an initiative, and then the the stars don't quite align, or they don't have the right messaging for funding, uh, and so there's a little bit of magic in the timing component. So we definitely see that. Uh, the other thing that is maybe um, one of the bigger trends for a uh, recent year or so is the providers have initially chased up all the largest logos, right? So so that's prime time where folks really want to, you know, hit and, and proclaim their logos. And now that many of the larger companies have kind of claimed their direction uh, in HR technology, providers are really excited to begin marketing more broadly um, to all different client sizes. And uh, it just feels a lot more inclusive from that perspective. Julie, one of the things that I loved you. You recently wrote a blog post. So we talk to ourselves. We call ourselves benefit nerds. And I don't mean this offensively, but I think it would be fair to say you're a bit of a HCM, HRIS nerd. That's more than fair. Take it as a compliment. <laughs> totally fair, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way that you outline that article. And it outlines five points as to why um, there's, as you call it, a race to the cloud. And there's five specific things that you outline. I'd love to spend some time visiting with you about each of those points and, and why uh, companies are not only from the provider's perspective are, are racing to that, but also from the employer's perspective as to why they're able to chase that and why that almost has become a must-have is to have a system in the cloud or is getting to that point. I don't know if it's quite there yet. Maybe you feel differently, but I think depending on the organization, it's how can we get everything cloud-based and make it simplified that way. So love to address each of those things we can go through. The first one you talked about is providers are targeting more and more the mid-market and why you're seeing that. Yeah, well, um, for a number of reasons, and and some of it is the big uh, the big clients moved first, right, when it comes to big investments. And, and those clients were largely motivated by these cycles of investment for heavy ERP systems, right? So, so your super large clients that have 10,000 and more lives, you know, they're global often in scope. They had these big investments and every five or eight years or 10 years, they had just enormous amounts of capital that had to be dumped into an upgrade. And they were looking for ways to level out, you know, level out their cost structure, essentially, while getting access to better better technology and better services. And so the subscription model that is um, cloud technology really appealed to them. And we ended up seeing them make a lot of the earlier first moves. Um, when you start talking about the everyday employer, you know, after the after those waves have um, been in progress for quite a while, now we're talking about um, clients that um, maybe never had an HR technology investment. And so they're, they're for the first time looking to get into an HR technology 
or they had to wait until some of their HR technology investment played out. Um, uh, so regardless of which way or what the circumstances were, the providers are now really shifting their laser focus on these big giant logos to being much more all-inclusive and understanding that clients of every size are a real bona fide opportunity for them. Seems, Julie, like there's a shift as well inside of the the people that are part of this HCM system. And that was number two on the list because those that might have been at an employer, I'm going to make up the size of 50,000 employees, might be shifting to different employer sizes and then need to be met with different uh, resources and 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 needs based off those size of companies. So, I mean, is that that's not stopping, right? It seems like that's going to keep going where people are going to shift and keep moving around. That's definitely the case. And so, you know, not only is it that that users and, and managers and HR leaders are more and more comfortable and proficient in consumerized systems where you're, you know, ordering your everything from Amazon, you know, expecting those experiences, but but your leaders of very large HR initiatives are taking some uh, some stock in their own careers and uh, see many very senior leader folks in large organizations uh, moving into uh, a midsize company and taking charge in a role there and and bringing with them some of that mindset that says we can do things as a shared services. Of course, it's not the same scale. We can leverage technology in similar ways, and maybe it's not the same providers, right? Um, but bringing that that know-how and that experience that comes with large investments and big, deep dollars and bringing that into uh, smaller organizations um, just gives us knowledgeable folks that are leading the charge in um, a more and more diverse uh, kind of companies. I think we see that in the benefits that we spend a lot of time in, right? That we're right. in every day. These uh, leaders have made that transition to, as you call it, the everyday employer to that mid market. And they have the expectation to have those types of benefits that they've seen in that market as well. And we see that same transition happening across that. I think it's great to see that. I think it's great to raise the bar. Hey, let's raise the expectation for all employers. Let's see how we can make these same type of improvements, not only from the HCM and, and HRIS management software, but also to the benefit. So we're seeing that same exact transition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the war on talent might actually be driving much of that, right? So you're seeing this ever change in leadership transitions and demand, right? And, and teammates may move around a bit differently, but they still want the best and the greatest from a benefits and an experience perspective. And that's what HCM and HRIS solutions do, in fact, you know, deliver is that experience to the teammate as well as efficiencies. You know, the third on your list was more around funding. So post-pandemic impact on funding and, and the flowage of that. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, sure. So, so oftentimes, um, you know, we would see clients start to jump into these initiatives and have some great ambitions about bringing new capabilities and a new experience to their employee base broadly. And uh, when push comes to shove, someone still has to find the funds and the investment to do that. And as a back office function, more or less, you know, HR didn't always um, rise to the top of the funding needs. Um, this is another area where I think everything that's happening in the talent space uh, and the need for HR technology to support what's going on with people and, and the desire to retain people has caused um, 
CFOs and has caused uh, those that are responsible for the purse strings to say, hey, wait a minute, this is a priority. It's more than just a back office tool that we can get to, you know, on a good year. It's something that is a differentiator in understanding whether talent stays with us or talent walks out the door because they're working with, you know, with just um, very old, antiquated types of um, of systems and ways to develop people or pay people or <laughs> give benefits to people. Um, so all of those stars have kind of um, aligned recently, and we do see that uh, there's a little bit um, more willingness to fund some of these projects and to recognize that it does have a direct link to talent. Sure, the hybrid work environment doesn't right doesn't hurt that either, right? So, accessing what you need from a data perspective, where you need it at all times, certainly is another star that's aligned in the current climate. The fourth on your blog link again loved that trends article was around the availability of payroll and time services. What are you seeing shift there? Yeah, so. Payroll and time services are always super tricky, and uh, HR organizations are usually inclined to start with the HR base, uh, and they may not touch payroll at first because uh, when you screw up payroll, everybody knows it, and it gets very loud very fast, right? Um, right. But the availability no. of not only modules for integrated suite, you know, that's become much more robust, and that's what some folks are looking for, but also the provider markets. Um, providers that will um, that will fit and work with cloud HR systems uh, and have experience integrating or providers that will actually deliver services on your cloud platform, right? All of those markets have evolved and become more mature so that there are great options for uh, for clients that are looking to do something with payroll and time. Do they play well together, Julie? Like, do, do like does one company fight and want to maintain it all within, or is the market evolving where they get they might get one piece with the payroll and then have time with something else and HR systems with a third party, or do or do our HR friends here really have to be thinking of? I don't want to carve it out, but at the end of the day, maybe I need to be worrying about them not playing well in the sandbox together. Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. It's it's a very um, individual journey for many uh, for many organizations based on what they have and what they don't have uh, in place today in their you know technology toolbox, and also based on who's calling the shots, right? So the stakeholders, if ultimately IT is particularly involved, there's usually an inclination or a leaning for an integrated suite of systems. And um, they're a little less concerned about who's actually, you know, doing the tax filing, which is really important to a payroll leader. Um, and so the the stakeholders that are at the table can make a big difference. The technologies or tools that you're already invested in can make a big difference. Um, and uh, so I find the journey is pretty unique for each organization, but it's not rocket science. I mean, you can definitely figure figure out what the what the path is that is most efficient for you and for your organization. And the last thing on that list was like aiming for affordability, trying to find something that's good value. We often say that value is what you get versus what you pay. And that could be different for many different people, but ultimately finding that affordability 
based off your organization. Are, are you seeing the the market contract a bit on pricing? Is it getting more expensive to offer these services? Uh, how does competition work? Do we do we want to put an RFP together and put ten people on a on a page? Like maybe your best practices when you're thinking about cost for organization. Yeah, first of all, I think there's an awful lot of options, right? Um, there are technology-only options, there's technology-plus services options, and the cost of those different options uh, allows you really to be able to right-size uh, you know, for your budget and your your which needs are most important to you. We're able to do a lot of benchmarking in that space so that before going out to a market and starting to engage, you know, one or many providers and, and all of the communication that flows from that, um, just having uh, some indication of what do I expect a provider would cost? What, what sort of a range if I asked for just the technology or technology and all the services, right? Or, and get a little bit of direction and orient yourself before you start engaging broadly and, and creating a lot of noise and expectations um, um, for yourself is really, really helpful. Another item in that space we started to talk about is the different providers um, that are available. So, you know, if you take something like payroll, which we were just talking about, uh, you have all sorts of options from, you know, your big uh, workdays and success factors and and Oracle clouds, you know, on the, on the smaller scale end, you have you know some really great technology type systems in the paycores and the paycoms and the all the pay you know pay guys uh, and everything in between. Um, so there really is a little bit of an art to knowing which market am I trying to tap into, not only for my size, but you know based on whether my requirements are. Um, technology and integration and configuration or, you know, something that runs really well with some services attached to it because I don't have the resources to service it myself. Julie, I often do this and my teammates love when I do this, but I'm starting a side business here. And <laughs> Adam and Vanessa work for me. Usually I work for them. Today it's different. They, they work for me today. Moving up. <laughs> Moving on up. You're right, Vanessa. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I owe me good, right? Anyways, we're up to about 700 employees, mm -hmm. um, hoping to get to 1,000 someday. What are some must-haves in this space that you think an employer in that size should focus on? Maybe 500 to 700. I, mm -hmm. We always exaggerate, right? So maybe yep. 500 to 700 employees, but um, that's where we are. Um, Vanessa and Adam head up my HR team. What are some must-haves that you're going to tell them that they can bring to the table to help us be successful? Yeah, from a solution perspective, right? You're talking? Yeah. 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 So a core HR solution and payroll go hand in hand, uh, usually. Depending on the type of business you have, time may or may not be important, right, as one of those foundational items. Uh, and and usually from a benefits perspective, just that whole um, administrative effort of open enrollment is uh, is something that you're either going to include or you're going to you know keep with your, a third party. Uh, and when I say that, I really mean when I say include, I really mean health and welfare. Um, so that's the core. Now, uh, in today's market where talent is scarce and uh, um, it, it is a reality that you you might be struggling to find and keep talent. Um, there usually is a conversation about talent um, and a priority that's placed on 
talent acquisition, or we hear more and more about skills, uh, um, talent intelligence or skills inventorying and those sorts of things so that you can, um, you can move employees more flexibly and assign them more flexibly in the company. Um, the, those often lend themselves to uh, niche market activities if it's really something that you need to focus on as a core competency. Or, uh, you know, you'll want to actually explore those as part of the core uh, services that you need just to kind of keep the lights on and, and have a system that you can use for your employees. So when you talk about talent management or even talent recruitment, how are they using these type of systems to help with that process? I, I know that's a trend that, that we're seeing more and more. And I loved our audience just to get their head around how they can use that for the talent management, talent recruitment and all of those, that process. Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, the very first place where that becomes evident is um, when the folks that are seeking new talent and talent acquisition or recruiting, whatever you call that, are looking for candidates and and doing some sourcing and more proactive, um, using technology more proactively to find and connect with talent before it matches up with a particular job opening uh, is has been one technique. Um, and then in the applicant tracking system where you're actually tracking requisitions and open positions and trying to match them, uh, that flows right into onboarding activities. And onboarding technology is sometimes very closely aligned with the recruiting side, and sometimes it's more closely aligned with the, you know, the core system of record for employees. But whichever way you handle it, having that experience of someone that's first joining, you know, your ranks be smooth and, and energetic and set the tone for their relationship with you as the employer has become, um, you know, part of the secret sauce of folks that are trying to create and energize a culture and infuse engagement in their, uh, in their employee base. Is that what you guys are seeing as well? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That experience starts before they ever step foot in the door, virtual or otherwise. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly. It's very much a piece of the puzzle. Most clients we work with on the benefit side, too, they're looking at creative ways of bringing and infusing, right, what makes them unique from a package perspective into that pre-onboarding and onboarding process. So whether it's virtual or, you know, digital experiences that are wrapped around the technology, we've seen some really fun, creative things happening in that space. And sadly, for those employers that are not or that's being overlooked, it is is very likely, right, having a repercussion. Yeah. You know, you make me think a lot about another item that's jumped to the top of mind for many employers, and that is talent mobility. So whether you're talking about it from the perspective that, you know, I, I'm a healthcare organization that's primarily based in Ohio, but I found this piece of great talent and it sits somewhere else and, you know, in some other state that I don't operate in, how do I, you know, how do I tap into talent that is not where I'm physically located uh, and what do I need to do? to the organizations that are growing by bringing in talent that happens to be across borders. And um, so we are finding folks that are in their search for talent then need to start to look at some pretty complex questions of how do I handle, you know, international employees or employees that are, you know, are working from anywhere 
and think it would be just great to work from the Caribbean um, for a little while or expect to move home to take care of an elderly parent in another country. And these are real situations that do have real solutions. And um, and so just having somebody to talk to and about what the options are, or how to even navigate where to go with that has been a bigger and bigger theme. Yeah, I love that you say that these are real, right, concerns with real solutions. Because yeah, no one was thinking about the fact that now a teammate that worked, you know, in an office five days a week is remote from XYZ state that has alternate disability clauses, alternate state leave requirements, alternate county specific requirements out of sight, out of mind, these yeah. employers are being challenged in many new ways, but technology is helping to deliver, right, those solutions or wraparound services to that technology alike. Well, here at Bowcutted Friends, right, Vanessa, we have a hard time as well with Jared's side hustle. Um, and flipping that a bit to, let's, let's kind of maybe wrap up with a thought of, all right, let's pretend that we are an maybe an unsatisfied employer with our HCM system, and but we, we don't know where to go. We don't know where to start. Um, what do we do? Where do we start? I, I think you've armed us, armed us with so many different pieces of the puzzle, but what's that first step that employers can really do to, to, to wrap everything together? Well, the first thing that I'll tell you is just recognizing that you're not alone is really helpful. Um, at the HR tech conferences this fall, one of the leading um, uh, polling groups or research groups called Sierra, um, or I'm sorry, um, they used to be Sierra Cedars and, and now it's Sapien Insights. Um, they, their research recently showed them that almost half of employers of all sizes are looking at swapping out their payroll and time and or time solutions, which is just a stunning number, right? Um, and I would say, you know, a good place to start is, uh, is asking a trusted advisor who knows the market and who knows the space and just sharing a little few basics about your situation, about your urgency, about your assets, um, you know, which systems you do have internally to find out what the right lay of the land would be from providers. Many folks spend a lot of time investigating providers just based on having heard some names or names that they were familiar with in the past. And if you're not even in the right space. Um, you can really um, spend a lot of time and, and engage with folks that aren't even relatively, you know, what you might need. That's so excellent, Julie. I mean, we at Brown & Brown serve clients of all shapes and sizes, right? Every end of that spectrum, every industry in between, very high tech and very paper-based historically, right? So finding that right provider, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. And you're absolutely right. It's going to vary by client needs. So I know you work closely with REB technology team. We're very blessed to have that and help our clients navigate. But there is no lack of right opportunities and needs to be solved yeah. for. So thank you so much for sharing your insight and intellect to this regard. We very much appreciate your time and welcome the opportunity to do so again here in the near future. Thank you to all of our listeners today. We look forward to hosting you on our next episode of the Benefits Breakdown. Take care.